Welcome back to another episode of Suiting Up Varsity, a podcast dedicated to the sound of the band, the smell of popcorn, the feel of an old letter jacket, the sight of teenagers hoisting trophies high above their heads, and most of all, to the grand history and fantastic stories of Nebraska prep sports. Join us as we look back in time at the great moments from a century plus of Nebraska high school athletics. This week, in our search for the greatest athlete in the history of each Nebraska high school, open and closed, we head southwest again to a county settled along two Union Pacific Railroad lines. Eight Furnace County communities with high school athletic histories arranged themselves in a group of five along the main UP line and the Republican River in the northern part of the county, and three more along a branch line to the south. Of those eight high schools, two are still open and have expanded, and two other regional consolidations serve the rest, one of which is headquartered in the county. So we will be talking about three current high schools after we work our way through the six that have closed. Let's start along Highway 89 in the south part of the county in Beaver City, where the blue and white Bearcats played until 1995. First of all, don't get them confused with the Beaver Crossing Beavers from back east in Seward County or the consolidated Beaver Valley Panthers who operated just to the west in Red Willow County. We're talking Beaver City Bearcats. Let's start on the girls' side because I think our choice there is pretty clear-cut. Beaver City didn't play in any girls' basketball or volleyball state tournaments and didn't produce any All-Staters, but in the 1980s they had a star on the track. Lori Storrs won the Class D high jump as a sophomore in 1986 and then picked up another medal in each of the next two years. I'm naming Lori Storrs the greatest girl athlete in Beaver City Bearcat history. For the boys, the first place to look is the Bearcats' best team at the state level, the 1972 Class D wrestling runners-up. The Bearcats and the Stromsburg Vikings tied for the number two spot with 38.5 points, just a half point behind the state champion Clark's Blue Bombers. The Beaver City team was led by our first possible GOAT, 145-pound titleist Bob Maskey. A second wrestling champion enters the conversation 20-some years later in 1994 when Bob Potter wins the 112-pound Class D title. Jerry Mathers, in his 1980 list that inspired ours, chose Wendell Wentling, from the class of 1949, whose claim to fame seems to be his time on the mound for the Beaver City American Legion baseball squad. He once struck out 15 against Alma. Our Twitter belt list picked an an old-timer as well, even more old-time, Carl Modlin, who starred at the 1906 state track meet. This was well before the NSAA took over the meet, but Modlin was impressive. He captured the two sprint crowns, the 100 and the 220, in a meet where all schools, regardless of size, competed in one class. Another Beaver City sprinter swept those events in 1941 in Class B, Merlin Quillen. He also won a couple of long jump medals in his career. Thirty years later, in 1971, Dan Harper cleared 6'1 to win the Class C high jump. In 1983, the Bearcats swept the weights in Class D, with Jeff Strayer taking the discus and Ty Dahl winning the shot. We'll return to Ty Dahl later in this episode because he finished his career at a different Furnace County school. 
In Beaver City's last athletic contest before the school closed in 1995, Scott Hinkle, Bryce Wilson, Brian Hinkle, and Steve Harder took the Bearcats out in style, winning the 3,200-meter relay at State Track. The best years on the football field for the Bearcats were in the 40s and 50s. Three squads, 1941, 1951, and 1956, finished the year in the Class C Top 10. That 51 team was led by three All-Staters. Wayne Kaiser, a senior back on that team, was named All-State by Greg McBride. And then two juniors on the 51 team were named All-State in 1952, lineman Larry McNabb and end Irv Wentling. In the playoff era, the best Bearcat football team was probably the 1994 bunch, which fell just short in the first round against Polk Cordville. The top individual uh, in that era was eight-man All-State defensive lineman Macy Thomas in 1986. The versatile 5'11", 200-pounder Thomas played running back in the eight-man All-Star game in the next summer. On the hardwood, Beaver City played in the Big Carnival, the 1926 tournament, and then qualified in 46, 87, 89, and 95. The closest Beaver City came to winning a state tournament game was 89 when All-Stater Brian Gary, who averaged 14.5 points a game that year, and his Bearcats fell 48-46 to to Coleridge in the D1 first round. The other Beaver City basketball All-Stater might be our best GOAT candidate. In 1975, Brad Fultz averaged 21 points a game uh, and won the honor after being named a Class D All-State quarterback in the fall. I think I have to go with Brad Fultz, the two-sports star, as the greatest athlete in Beaver City Bearcat history. I want to take a uh, quick time out before we move on to the next school and apologize if my audio quality is not as good this week. I, I just couldn't face the closet again. So I'm sitting out in my patio here and I, I've got some birds joining me and, and a little bit of traffic over on the highway. So if that's not as good this week, I, I hope you'll forgive me. All right, to our next school. To the west of Beaver City, on that old Union Pacific line, is the first high school with a sports history to close down in Furness County, Henley. The school closed in 1942, and I don't know the colors or the nickname. Any sports history of Henley is pretty scarce. I know they were playing football in 1911 because the newspapers record a sweep of a two-game series over their big neighbor, Arapahoe, and a loss to Beaver City. I know in 1934, Coach Frank Coffey was expecting to suit up seven returning lettermen for a basketball schedule of just four regular season games, all on the road at Red Willow, Wilsonville, Indianola, and Stanford. I assume that Henley was one of those gymless teams who spent their basketball lives as a road team. There's no sign of Henley in state track, state basketball, or the top 10 football archives. But despite their apparent gymlessness, Henley made a nice run in basketball postseason three years earlier in the one-class 1931 tournament. They won three games in the Alma District, and remember districts were confined to the teams that had 100 kids or less, before falling to Bloomington in the championship game of that district. Their runner-up status, though, earned them an invite to the Kearney Regional the next week, where they opened with a 33-25 win over Big School Arnold. <laughs> Big School, they had more than 100 kids and they went straight to regionals. 
Uh, but their season ended in the regional quarterfinals against Overton. Now, that means that Henley was in the top 128 teams in the state regardless of size. And there were about 380 teams competing in that one-class state tournament in 1931. Not bad. Still, I've got no idea for the greatest athlete in Henley high history. But I do have a pick for the GOAT inventor, Edwin Perkins, who would bring my hometown of Hastings fame as the birthplace of Kool-Aid, actually started developing the powdered and paper-pouched product in his family's Hendley grocery store before moving his operations to Hastings. So I've got Edwin Perkins as the greatest inventor in Hendley High history. All right, let's complete the run of the Southern Union Pacific tracks in Furnace County by heading west again to Wilsonville, home of the Wildcats until 1981. Wilsonville now seems to be largely in, a wide, in the widespread consolidated Southwest District, headquartered in Bartley and neighboring Red Willow County. But parts of the district are likely included in the consolidation that Beaver City helped form in 1995, Southern Valley. But that's later. We are concerned with the Wilsonville Wildcats who wore the red and white. Wilsonville gives us our first state championships to talk about. The Wildcats won Class C track in both 1935 and 1937. The star of those teams was Marvin Rutten, who took home 10 state medals in his career. He was the 100-yard dash champ in 36 and then won three titles in 37, claiming the 100, the 220, and anchoring the Wildcats championship 880-yard relay. Wilsonville track success continued. Neil Elwood won the Class D half mile in 1949. Bob Wilson won the 1951 220, while his teammate Robert Miller won the 100. The next year, Miller himself swept both of the sprints. On the football field, Wilsonville's greatest, great, uh, first great team was the 9-0 squad in 1944, which finished number six in Greg McBride's six-man ratings. They were led by all-state offensive lineman William Rutledge. 22 years later, in 1966, the Wildcats were unbeaten again, this time an eight-man, behind All-State back Charles Haig. Wilsonville's last great era was in the mid-70s, when the basketball team qualified for the 1975 state tournament, playing in the Class D semifinals. The Wildcats, who beat Elgin in the first round before falling to Sterling in the semis, were led in scoring by junior Randy Pressler. Pressler then quarterbacked the Wildcats into the state football playoffs for their first and only time during the fall of 1975 and then was named All-State Basketball in 76. In the spring, he won the school's final state track title, capturing the quarter mile in 51-1. Pressler was certainly a great athlete, but at Wilsonville I think he is trumped by the great athlete of the school's late 50s golden age, Bill Holiday. Holiday, class of 1960, led the Wildcats to the state tournament in Class E as a sophomore and a junior. They fell in the semifinals in 58, losing to Raymond, and then made the finals in 1959 with a win over Marquette before falling to Tobias in the final. Holiday was named All-State both of those years and then again as a senior. He finished his career with a state record 2,748 points. Holiday was also twice an All-State end in football. Later as a coach, he would lead Aurora to the Class B state basketball title in 1976. I agree with Jerry Mathers and many others. Bill Holiday was the greatest athlete in Wilsonville High School history. 
For our next school, we'll head to the northeast corner of the county on the main line of the Union Pacific and U.S. Highway 6. That's where the Oxford Cardinals played until 1995. We'll start on the boys' side. The best Oxford football team came right in the middle of the last century, 1950. The 1950 Cardinals were 9-0 playing 11-man football. They were the second unbeaten team in school history. The 1932 Cards were 8-0. In 50, they finished number three in Greg McBride's ratings after a 6-0 Thanksgiving Day win over number four Juanita. Consensus All-State back Merle Kivenline scored the winning TD for the Cardinals. He wasn't the only star on the team, though. Lineman Joe Wilson and Lloyd Bowers both were named All-State squads, as was junior Jerry Pierce the next season in 1951. Their other big win in 1950 was a 19-12 triumph over county rival Cambridge, which finished number five in the ratings. Oxford's first two-time All-State football player, class of 1969 Steve Trenchard, led Oxford to a top 10 Class C finish in 67. The 7-2 1975 team just missed the first state playoffs, but grabbed a top five rating behind senior All-Stater Todd Mathis. Mathies, and junior Merlin Murdoch, uh, who would earn the honor the next year. Mathies was also a heavyweight wrestling champion in 1976, the school's first ever champ. Steve Broker was the only Cardinal to win two wrestling titles. He's 130-pound champion as a sophomore and the 140-pound gold medal winner as a senior in 1992. The best Oxford Tracksters were 1940 Class C mile champ Dale Adden, 1962 jumps winner Alan Quigg, and 1988 quarter-mile titleist Chad Grove. Grove is the most decorated Cardinal track and field athlete with four other state track medals. On the basketball floor, the Cardinal boys produced two All-Staters, 20-point-a-game scorer P.J. Quinn in 1987 and Greg Fletcher in 1989. Fletcher led the Cardinals to the 1988 Class C C2 state semifinals with a tournament win over Bancroft Rosalie before they fell to eventual champion Lincoln Christian. Fletcher was also a two-time football All-Stater as a linebacker who lettered at NU. I think that's my guy. Greg Fletcher is my pick for greatest boy athlete in Oxford High School history. Now we get to the girls' side and arguably the golden age of Cardinal sports history, the 1988 and 1990 Girls Basketball State Championships. Those came in a 15-year run over Coach Mike Lanham, where Oxford played in five state tournaments. The 1986 team beat Henderson to make the C2 semifinals before falling to Wausau. That team was led by All-Stater Lisa Schroeder. Two years later, her, her sister Lori, an All-Stater herself, led the Cardinals to the top of the mountain and the state C2 championship with tournament wins over Hardington, Verdigree, and East Butler. After missing the 1989 tournament in a double overtime district final, heartbreaking loss to Kennesaw, the Cardinals returned in 1990 and won again. Cheryl Payne was honored as All-State for the second straight year. Valerie Peterson was the leading scorer and also an All-Stater. Peterson also medaled in the 400 at state track that year. Oxford's greatest track star, uh, Leisha Steinman, who twice swept the Class C 1600 and 3200 meter titles, was also on that 1990 state basketball team. 
I think it's a close call, but I'm going to go with Val Peterson as the greatest Oxford Cardinal girl athlete of all time. Heading west on Highway 6, known in the pre-interstate days as the DLD, the Detroit-Lincoln-Denver Highway, we encounter another small town with a closed high school, Edison. The Edison Eagles wore blue and white and were in business until 1967. When I checked the 1980 Jerry Mathers history and saw he didn't have a pick for Edison, and then I checked our Twitter-built list and saw a blank for Edison there too, I figured this was going to be the Furnace County School with the murky history. But that's not what I found. There are several good candidates for Edison Eagle Goat. Let's start with the Sprague boys. Not sure if they were brothers, cousins, or just shared a common Edison last name, but they show up all over the history of Edison High School in the 1940s and 50s. In 1941, Edison had its only perfect football season, going 9-0 behind All-State center Harry Sprague. They dominated their six-man foes, including a 50-0 season-ending win over Red Willow. Their closest shave was a 19-14 win over Bartley. They won the other eight by an average of 34 points. An Eagle quarterback from that team, Neil Gary, made the All-State lists a year later. A decade later, it was Leroy Sprague on the All-State lists. The running back led the Eagles to a top-10 six-man rating and a 7-1 record in 1953. On the track, he would share the Class D pole vault championship as a sophomore and win it as a senior. Maybe. <laughs> the 1952 co-champ is listed as Roy, not Leroy. So either he's a two-time champion or we have another Edison Sprague. After digging up a picture of sophomore Leroy Sprague starting in Edison's 1952 state semifinal loss to Palmyra, I'm fairly sure that it is just one person and a great candidate for Edison Goat. But there are others, even some who are not named Sprague. First of all, there's the guy Leroy shared the 52 pole vault title with, his teammate J James Schaefer, who had finished third in the vault in 1951. I think it's safe to assume there was some high-level pole vault coaching going on in Edison in the 1950s. Then, there is more basketball success. In 1954, the Eagles are back in the Class D semifinals, thanks to Roy Sprague's 13 points, in an opening win over Potter. In the semis, they ran into a little school from Douglas County maybe you've heard of? Millard? Yep, that was the Class D semifinals in 54. The Indians ran away with the game and the title the next day, but Sprague had another 13 in the loss. In 1955, the Eagles moved to the new Class E in the sixth class experiment and qualified for the four-team state tourney. And they slipped by Hickman 54-52 to qualify for their first state final. They brought home the runner-up trophy after a 14-point loss to Holstein of Adams County. But leading scorer Gary Chapman earned consensus All-State honors in the papers, the only Edison round baller to ever reach that peak. Still, I think it's Leroy slash Roy Sprague who deserves my Edison Eagle goat pick. He led two basketball teams to the semifinals, won two state uh, track titles, and claimed an All-State football selection. Roy Sprague is my all-time best Edison Eagle. We will drive past Arapahoe to reach our next school, Holbrook. The orange and black Holbrook Hornets were competing until 1992 when they merged into the Arapahoe District. Uniquely, Holbrook has won two state basketball championship games, but only one state basketball championship. Both were in the all-comers era of the tournament. 
Let's start with the dark side. In 1919, the Hornets were unbeaten and rolled through the Class F bracket, the sixth of eight classes that year, beating Beaver Crossing, Bloomfield, Louisville, and Deschler. Excuse me, Louisville. I'm from Nebraska. <laughs> but after the tournament, a townsperson from Holbrook reported a problem to the, quote, state management. Holbrook had used a town boy, quote, not a student, but an expert basketball player, unquote. The Silver Cup was transferred to Deschler, who had lost the title game to the Hornets, 29-14. Holbrook's opponents from the quarters and semis, Bloomfield from Knox County and Louisville, both played the Hornets within six points and may have had a better case than Deschler for that Silver Cup. There was no controversy in 1924 when Holbrook, Holbrook returned to glory. That year, the Hornets again made short work of their bracket, besting McCool Junction, Cedar Rapids, Tobias, and Upland. They beat the Upland Longhorns of Kearney County 14-9 excuse me, in the Class P final. Class P was the last of the 16 brackets in that tournament. Holbrook's most impressive tournament wasn't either of those championship appearances, but was their 1936 Class B semifinal battle. This was the first year of three classes in the qualification era, so Holbrook was playing in the middle-sized class. They defeated Red Cloud in the district final to qualify. The Orange and Black then downed Winnebago in the state opener and crushed Blue Hill 27-11 in the quarters. In the semifinal, they pushed Lincoln Bethany in a 38-35 barn burner for the era. Bethany would not only go on to win the 1936 title, but three straight Class B championships through 1938. Two lads named Molring and Mays combined for 25 points as Holbrook rallied from a 20-7 halftime deficit in that final versus Bethany and almost pulled the big upset. Holbrook first made noise on the gridiron when a fellow named Bowers was named Little School All-State by Greg McBride in 1939. The Hornets finished in the six-man top ten twice in the 40s, number 10 in 43 and number 5 in 47. Holbrook wouldn't have another All-Stater, though, until defensive back Tim Driscoll was picked for the 8-man-2 team in 1983. The Hornets made a couple playoff appearances in the NSAA six-man playoffs in the late 80s. Their best was 1989 when they defeated Bartley in the quarterfinals before losing to Taylor in the state semis. Kurt Hustler was an All-Stater for the Hornets in 89. On the girls' side, I don't see a, a clear goat pick for Holbrook. My Twitter followers recommended volleyball star and long jumper Amy Clary from 1988. Holbrook had two girls All-Staters in 79, Brenda Hustler in basketball and Wendy Meadler in volleyball. In 83 and 84, Sandy Glanzer brought home four state track medals. I don't see any way to distinguish between those four, so I guess we'll share the honor. On the boys' side of the track, Larry Barnhart starred for Holcomb in 1957 and 1958, capturing the Class D long jump titles both years and anchoring the winning 880-yard relay in 58. Barnhart's 1958 long jump of 21 feet, 7 and an eighth inch, broke an 18-year-old class record. His efforts led Holbrook to the Class D runner-up spot in 58. 1979 saw another great Holbrook track effort. 
Mike Chambers swept the Class D 100, 220, and 440 titles and finished third in the 880. His 36 points were all Holbrook scored that day, but were good enough for the Class D runner-up trophy. Jerry Mathers chose Chambers as his Holbrook goat for his one-man team effort. I agree. Mike Chambers is the greatest athlete in Holbrook Hornets history. That brings us to the three high schools still open and operating in Furness County. Two traditional town high schools and one consolidated school, which has absorbed several of the schools we've already touched upon. The first of those three will be the blue and white uh, of Arapahoe, between Holbrook and Edison on Highway 6. The biggest pieces in the Arapahoe trophy case are from an amazing run on the track in the 40s and 50s. The Warriors captured five Class C state track titles in the nine seasons from 1943 to 1951. The first two title teams in 43 and 44 were led by three fellows whose first names seemed to be lost to history. Eland won the 880 both years. Initial V. McCoy won the 220 in 44 after finishing second the previous year. And a fellow named Emmett won the high hurdles the pole vault, and the high jump in 1944. Those three were also on the winning 880-yard relay both years. During that era, the Warriors also earned a top-10 football rating in 43 and saw William Hill named All-State Basketball during the same year. Before we look at the second half of that track dynasty, let's look at the early day of, days of Arapahoe sports and a few other stories. Lyle Scott and Jim Mather were All-State football players in the 1930s, chosen to all Nebraska teams regardless of class. Mather, who went on to letter in football at NU, won eight, straight, eight state track medals, including state championships in the 1934 Class B long jump and the 1935 Class C long jump and 220-yard dash. It's obvious to see why he was nominated for our Twitter list of GOATs. An even earlier athletic pioneer in Arapahoe also deserves mention. Oren Beltzer played for the only unbeaten, untied football team in Warrior history in 1904 and then went on to letter in football and baseball at Nebraska. More people might recognize Oren if I used his nickname, Buck Beltzer. At least those of us that remember his namesake baseball stadium, which was the home of Cornusker Baseball before the Haymarket was built. Buck Beltzer Field, which eventually had an artificial turf infield and a grass outfield, was right outside the northeast corner of Memorial Stadium. I remember spring football games being able to climb uh, the uh, northeast, uh, the northeast corner of Memorial Stadium, and look down on the baseball field where the Husker baseball field would be team would be entertaining some Big Eight opponent. I also remember that the the street there, which still goes around. I don't know what the name of that street is, uh, but sometimes home runs would be hit. And I remember 10-11 one night having a highlight of a home run being actually hit into the open window of a car driving by in the street beyond the Buck Beltzer outfield fence. Uh, Buck Beltzer, the athlete, had gone on to be a professional baseball player, manager, and even owner in several Nebraska pro circuits. Arapahoe's greatest playoff-era football team was the 1985 C2 semifinalists, led by All-Staters Mick Stagemeyer, Scott Weber, and Ty Dahl. You remember Ty Dahl, who we discussed earlier when he began his high school track career uh, as a shot-put state champ in Beaver City. 
The Warriors' latest deep playoff run was to the 2012 eight-man one semis when they racked up wins over South Loop, Maxwell, Elm Creek, and the Elgin public Pope John Co-op. Among the other Arapahoe football All-Staters, one name that stands out is Tony Braithwaite, who was a consensus eight-man All-State defensive back in 2005. Braithwaite also starred on the hardwood for the Warriors, averaging about 18 points a game and being named All-State in 2005 and 2006. His older brother, well, I'm assuming, Brad Braithwaite, led Arapahoe to three straight state basketball tourneys from 99 to 2001 and was an All-Stater as a senior. In 2011, I got to have a shout-out to one of my fellow teachers and coaches at Hastings High, Garth Walbridge, who powered Arapahoe to state in Class C2 and earned All-State honors. The highest-scoring basketball warrior, though, was probably 2006 All-Stater Blake Maskey, who averaged 21 a game as a senior. Arapahoe's most accomplished basketball team was the 1974 squad, which defeated Palmyra and Pierce to qualify for the Class C state final, where they fell to Howells. A recent Warrior track champion deserves mention as well. Josh Long won the Class C high jump two years in a row in 94 and 95. Arapahoe wrestling has finished second at state three times, all in Class D. In 1975, Dave Wendland and Mike Schneider were individual champions for the Warriors. They finished their careers as the only All-State champs in Arapahoe history. Brandon Muse and Jack Silk won gold for the 1992 State Runners-Up, and the 1996 team climbed to second despite not having an individual champ. For the girls of Arapahoe, there are several great candidates. Darcy Williamson was a first-team, all-class, all-Nebraska girls basketball selection in 1977 as the sport was getting off the ground. In the 2000s, we find another Braithwaite on the basketball court. Cheryl Braithwaite was a consensus three-time All-Stater from 2006 until 2008. She scored 20 points a game and led the Warriors to state in her last two years, culminating with a D1 semifinal appearance as a senior. In 2015, uh, Kaylee Watson matched her as a three-time All-Stater, also leading Arapahoe to two state tournaments. In 1982, the Warrior girls finished tied for fourth at state track, behind Linda Polston's Class C long jump title and Jean Monter's all-class gold medal in the discus. In 2013, they finished as the Class D runners-up as Rochelle Wentland repeated as high jump state champ. She had won Class C in 2012 and Alexis Whipple won four medals, including state titles in the 100 and 200. By far, though, the most decorated track legend for the girls is Fran Tenbenzel, who swept four Class C 800 crowns in her career, spanning 1985 to 88. Two times she won the all-class gold, as she totaled 10 medals in her career. She went on to have a Hall of Fame career at the University of Nebraska winning six track conference titles and one in cross country, finishing in the national top 10 in cross country, and being named an All-American five times. She is the greatest girl athlete in Arapahoe Warrior history and has a great argument for the title, regardless of gender. Before we get to that argument, though, we should return to where we started, the Warriors' state track success in the 40s and 50s. Several years after the 43 and 44 titles, Arapahoe made an even more impressive run, 
sweeping Class C for three years from 1949 to 1951. Several athletes keyed those titles. Don Dutcher won the discus in 1949 and 50, and Charles Cookson captured the 100 and 120-yard high hurdles in 1951. But the star of those teams was the boy who would sweep the first-ever Nebraska State Athlete of the Year awards in both the Omaha and Lincoln Papers in 1951, Eugene Hoppy McHugh. McHugh hopped onto the Nebraska prep scene as a freshman in 1948 when he won the Class C long jump and high jump titles. In 1949, he won the 220 and medaled in three other events. As a junior in 1950, Hoppy won the all-class gold in the long jump and the high jump and won Class C in a new event, the 180-yard low hurdles. He also anchored a class record time as Arapahoe won the 880-yard relay. As a senior, he won four Class C events, the long jump, the high jump, the 220, and the low hurdles. He won the all-class gold in the long jump and the low hurdles, where he set a new all-class state mark. McHugh was not a one-sport star, though. In football, he was an all-state back as a junior and senior, leading the Warriors to a top-five finish in 1949. In basketball, he was all-state three years, as Arapahoe qualified for state in 48, 49, and 50. Eugene Hoppy McHugh is an easy pick for Arapahoe's greatest boy athlete ever, joining Ten Benzel and giving the Warriors a tough 1-2 combination to beat. I'll let the Arapahoe fans sort out that one if they want to take it any further. In 1995, Southern Valley opened as Furnace County's first consolidated district serving the east side of the county and much of the south. The new school was built at the junction of Nebraska Highways 89 and 46, surrounded by the triangle of the three schools it combined. Beaver City to the west, Oxford to the north, and the Orleans Orioles of Harlan County to the east. The Eagles, wearing purple and silver, fielded their greatest football team early in their history. In 1995, they made a run through the C1 playoffs, beating Minden and Gordon to reach the semifinals before falling to powerhouse program Battle Creek. A strong senior class keyed the run along with a budding sophomore star, Phil Luking, who would finish his career in 1997 as a consensus All-State lineman. Luking was also a three-time state track champ, sweeping the shot and discus in 97 and repeating in the discus in 98. His 97 shot put effort set a new state record. Luking's track success was soon followed by Joshua Becker, who won the 1999 200-meter dash. More recently, Alan Verilla won the 2015 800-meter state title to cap a career where he earned six state medals. On the girls' side of the ledger, Erin Powell stands as Southern Valley's greatest track star. Her 2001 100-meter dash state championship is the jewel in her 11-state medal career. Mallory Murdoch won three medals in 2006, including a runner-up finish in the low hurdles. In volleyball, the Eagles have earned five trips to the state tournament, and Ashley Blickenstaff, Laura McInturf, Brooke Hayes, and Lauren Samuelson have been on the All-State rolls. Lindsay Steinemann uh, earned All-State basketball honors in 97 and 98. Ashley Huerta matched her in 2000 and 2001 and led the Eagles to their first state tournament and only state tournament win, a 54-42 besting of Palmyra in 01. Megan Becker, 
a six-foot-one All-Stater who led the Eagles to three straight state tournaments from 2004 to 2006, went on to play at Nebraska Kearney. She was a 1,000-point scorer for the Lopers and eventually became an assistant coach there. Southern Valley crowned its first state wrestling champ when Dexter Becker won the 2012 Class C 195-pound bracket. But in this most recent decade, it has been boys basketball that has taken center stage for the Eagles. Six-foot-nine All-Stater Spencer Kuchera led the Eagles to the C2 state title in 2013 when they beat Sutton in an overtime thriller. Dakota Best also received All-State honors in 13. That was the first of four straight Eagle State tournament trips. Hunter Quinn was a two-time All-Stater for the 14 and 15 teams, and in 2020, Junior Clayton Berry made the D1 All-State team as the Eagles advanced to another state championship game. Southern Valley upset Osmond and Humphrey Lindsay Holy Family before falling to Laurel Concord Coleridge in the state title game. For the girls, I think it's too close to call among Aaron Powell, Ashley Herrera, and Megan Becker. I'm going to wimp out and name them the co-goats of Southern Valley High. For the boys, despite the recent basketball success, I think I'll go with the 1990s football and track star Phil Luking as the greatest male athlete in Southern Valley history. That leaves me with just one school to go in Furnace County, but listeners, it's a doozy the Cambridge High Trojans from the northwest corner of the county. I'm just going to go ahead and say it right now. I'm not going to do, the, do justice to the history of Cambridge athletics. The Orange and Black probably need their own episode. Maybe a series of episodes. Maybe their own book. Hold it. Hasn't any, anyone done a book on the amazing history of Cambridge sports? I don't have one in my Neb Preps library, but someone must have done something. I just ran a couple of laps on the Google machine and don't see anything. Dear listeners, does anyone know of a Cambridge High historian? Why such an intro? <laughs> Why begging for mercy before I even start? Well, I've dealt with some amazing high school athletic histories during this series. Falls City Sacred Heart and Wakefield up in Knox County come to mind quickly as schools that had a lot to try to tell. But I remember when completed their sections of notes I always put together before doing every episode, the list of championships and All-Staters and individual champions and college athletes, etc., were, oh, I don't know, 10, 12, maybe 14 pages long. Dear listeners, I am about to try to summarize nearly 30, that's three zero, pages of notes about Cambridge. There's so many notes about Cambridge, it's slowing my Google Doc down when I try to scroll. The All-State football list, the track medalist list, the girls' All-Staters, you name it, the lists go on and on. So, as a way of apology for the amazing athletes I am about to omit, I want to read this list I created by just counting the honors, just simply seeing how many there were. These numbers are rough. I did this quick. Uh, and if they're off in some cases, they're probably low, but they should help you see the slow scope. Here we go. Cambridge High School. 30 state championships. 13 unbeaten, untied football seasons, 36 top 10 football finishes, and I stopped counting at 2009, 31 state basketball tournament appearances, 20 times where they at least won their first round game, 14 girls basketball tournament appearances with wins in all but four of them, 32 girls all-state basketball players, including seven who were all-class all-Nebraska honorees. 22 Volleyball All-Staters, 
137 All-State players, 22 of those All-Nebraska, 14 All-State basketball players on the boys' side, 10 state wrestling champs, including three two-time winners, 14 track all-class gold medalists, 47 individual track champions, approximately 225 track medals brought home from state, two state cross-country champions, and two state golf champions. State title trophies from nine of the last 10 decades since 1920. And like I said, if there are mistakes on that list, I bet they're undercounting the Trojan success. I hope you can see what I'm getting at. But without further ado or further begging on my part, let's give it a try. Cambridge's most impressive state title might be its first, the 1920 state football title win over Omaha Tech, called Omaha Commerce in those days. Commerce was no slouch. They were led by one of the best ever athletes from the Omaha Tech family, Ike Mahoney and would win state basketball in the winter and finish second to Beatrice in state track in the spring. Cambridge, as it is now, was a town of about a thousand in 1920, yet over 4,000 people showed up for the Thanksgiving Day game, an end-of-season challenge match to determine the state champ. The Commerce bookkeepers were unbeaten, and the Omaha City title already in hand, and a 14-7 win, over their chief eastern rival, Beatrice. If you were wondering about the always a factor links, Beatrice had beaten Lincoln High 7-0. Beatrice also boasted a win over Lawrence, one of Kansas's top two teams. Cambridge had to earn its way into the game with an arranged semifinal battle at York. The Trojans dispatched the Dukes 40-0, just as they had handled the rest of their schedule. 93-0 over Oxford, 41-3 over McCook, and 51-0 over Curtis. The only real Western challenger had been Bayard. The Tigers were unbeaten and boasted a couple of wins over strong Colorado 11s. Cambridge was too much, though, even on the road, and took the Western honors with a 7-0 win. On Turkey Day, Trojan All-State end Ed Ellingson kicked a field goal to open the scoring, and powerhouse lineman Ed Thompson led the Cambridge domination in the trenches. The big city wags had expected big city star Mahoney to be the key, but instead it was Cambridge quarterback Paul Rodwell, who many described after the game as the state's speediest ball carrier. It was a big Cambridge fullback named Rankin, though, who plunged in for the insurance TD to seal the 10-0 win and the state title. That wasn't the end of Trojan success in the Roaring Twenties, though. They won Class B track titles twice in 25 and 26, and Class C once in 29, with all-class gold medalists with names like Moosel, Thompson, Kinder, Easter, and Trumbull. Going back to Moosel, three Cambridge lads, uh, three different Cambridge lads with that name were named All-State football in the 1920s. Easter's first initial was likely A, because an A Easter was on the All-State football rolls, too. I figure that must be Art Easter, who was one of Jerry Mather's two picks for Cambridge's best athlete in his 1980 book. Success kept coming in the 30s. Cambridge won Class B track in 34 behind the gold medal high hurdle performance of John Trumbull. He also won the Class B low hurdles. Robert, in 1935, and Dick Luther, in 1937, were both picked All-State football. 
Another Cambridge Luther from the 1930s, Walter, lettered three times at Nebraska. Whichever Luther it was that went by Butch was Mather's other pick for the Cambridge Goat, but I don't know which one of those guys was Butch. In the 1940s, the Trojans captured another state football title, sharing the Class C newspaper ratings title with Deschler and Wymore in 1943. They were rated top three in football in 47, 48, and 49. All-state running back Harold Summers led that 49 team to an 11-0 record, the school's third unbeaten football squad. I forgot to tell you, they were perfect in 1916 as well. Jerry Minnick was All-State for the 1949 team and won the shot put at state track the next spring. He lettered three times in football at Nebraska. The Trojans had their first All-State basketballer in the 40s when William Cronin was picked in 43. He also finished second in the high hurdles at state track. Cambridge football finished in the top 10 eight times out of 10 years in the 1950s, including the 1951 team that went 10-0 and split the newspaper state title um, and in 1952 when they were the consensus champs. Jim Lemon was an All-State center both years. Gaylord Bellamy won the 220 in the high hurdles and anchored the championship 880 relay at the 1954 state track meet, according, um, adding, adding to his hurdle title from his junior year. Bellamy, of course, was also an All-Stater on the football field. Ed Coster won the Class C 100-yard dash in 57, topping off his eight career track medals. Dale Ellis was a consensus All-State running back for the 58 squad as the Trojans completed back-to-back -to -back top five seasons. The 1960s are the only decade I don't see a Cambridge State title. They still produced a great hurdler, Larry Omert, who swept both races in 66, a Class C basketball state semifinal appearance where they lost to Elkhorn after beating Hebron uh, in 69, their first state wrestling champ, Lyman Siebold, who won the Class C 112-pound bracket in 69, and a Class D 11-man number two rated football team in 69, led by all-state back Jeff Molring. Molring would win the state title in the shot put in the spring of 70. He also medaled in the discus and long jump during his junior and senior years. In both of the first two years of the football playoff era, 1975 and 1976, Cambridge was 10-0 but missed the four-team state bracket each time. Both papers rated them number two in 1975 behind C2 playoff champion Grant. In 76, they were classified in the 11-man Class D bracket. Woolback beat Alliance St. Agnes to win the NSAA trophy and the Lincoln's ratings title, but the World Herald gave Cambridge the top spot even though they hadn't been in the playoffs. This was one of only a handful of times the newspaper ratings and playoff titles have ever been split. In 1978, after the brackets were expanded to eight, Cambridge finally made the playoffs. They beat Polk and Spencer to qualify for the D Class D 11-man final where they lost to Walt Hill. In uh, 1979, they were in the C2 bracket, beating Overton 70-0 before losing to Ansley in the semifinals. Mark Whitty, Tim Peterson, and Doug Rayburn were two-time All-Staters during those years. Peterson also won the triple jump at state track in 1980. The Trojans had four All-State basketball players in the 70s, Ben Desmond in 1970, Dennis Hotelling in 74, Ken Hotelling in 76, and Wade Zizit in 1977. Zizit's 77 team made the Class D state final, defeating Maxwell and Dalton before losing to Adams.
Zizit was also an All-State defensive back and ran a leg on a state championship 880 relay. Dan Desmond and Kenny Thompson became the school's first two-time wrestling champs in 1975 and 1976, respectively. Oh, and I almost forgot. Ray Schlegel was the Class C state cross-country champion in 1973. Cambridge recorded its seventh perfect football season in 1987, and that one was the first Trojan campaign to end with, end with an NSAA playoff championship. The Trojans rolled through Bertrand and Hemingford, met some resistance from Sandy Creek before prevailing 19-16, and crushed Norfolk Catholic 30-0 in the C2 title game. Trevor Kubik and J.F. Hoffman led the champs as both earned their second straight All-State awards. Hoffman also averaged 20 points a game over his junior and senior season on the hardwood and was named All-State basketball twice as well. Cambridge boys basketball advanced to the Class D semifinals in 1980, beating Deschler in the quarterfinals behind All-Stater Chuck Drews, another 20-point-per-game 20, 20 scorer. They also made trips to Lincoln in 87 and 88. Girls basketball had qualified for the tournament in 1977 behind All-Stater Holly Fellers, and, Mary, and Mari DeVries was a two-time All-Stater in 88 and 89. But it was in the 1990s that Cambridge girls basketball really started to roll. The Trojans lost by one point to Pleasanton in the 1992 C2 semifinals. They wouldn't lose again until 1996. They were 24-0 champs in 93, beating Ponca in the C2 finals. In 1994, they moved to C1 and topped previously unbeaten Crofton 64-60 in a thrilling overtime final. Again, the Trojans were 24-0. And in 1995, Cambridge was 25-0 as they completed the three-peat with a C2 championship win over Sandy Creek. The Trojan basketball dynasty was built around three sisters. Stacy Kubik was All-State for the 92 semifinalists. So was sister Jamie, a sophomore, who went on to be a three-time All-Stater and a multi-year letterman at Nebraska. Third sister, Nicole, would follow and be named All-State all four years from 1993 to 1996 averaging over, over 28 points a game as a senior. She would star at Nebraska and play two years professionally for the WNBA Phoenix Mercury. Six-footer Tara Street joined the sisters as a three-time All-Stater in 93, 94, and 95. The Cambridge girls' success was not confined to basketball. Cambridge was a C2 volleyball state champion in 1993, and Jamie Kubik, Nicole Kubik, and Street were multiple-time All-State volleyball honorees. Jamie Kubik won two state hurdling medals in track, and Nicole Kubik earned five in the hurdles, long jump, and 100-meter dash. The Trojan boys in the 1990s weren't just sitting idly by and reading the girls' press clippings. The Cambridge football faller, footballers, led by Hall of Fame coach Dan Kieser, won five C2 state titles in 93, 94, 96, 97, and 98 after being runners-up in 92. Those five championship teams all went 13-0, raising the Trojan count of unbeaten, untied football seasons to a dozen. And these were dominating playoff runs. Look at the scores of the title games. 35-0 over Hebron in 93. 73-28 over Laurel Concord in 95. 35-16 uh, over Norfolk Catholic in 96. 50-14 over Oakland Craig in 97 and 50-14 over Bloomfield in 98. Chris Cornett, Brad Harris, Craig Young, Tyler Shiflett, 
Jason Benson, Greg Borland, Eric Street, Ryan, Ryan Amert, and Bryce Flaming. All were twice honored as All-State. Omert, who won the Class C high jump as a sophomore in 1997, would letter in football at Nebraska. Offensive lineman Kurt Teneper was All-State football in the fall of 92 and All-State basketball in the winter of 93. Oh, and he won the Class C 800 meters in 1992. Lineman Chipper White was All-State three times in 96, 97, and 98. As was quarterback Ed Thompson, who led the Trojans to the 93 and 94 titles. Thompson was an all-class, all-Nebraska pick as a senior when he also scored 18 points a game in basketball to earn All-State honors and won the Class C 800-meter run at State Track. Oh yeah, I guess I should mention Cambridge won the 1994 Class C State Track Meet and played in the 1995 C2 Basketball State Finals. Thompson went on to a great college career quarterbacking Nebraska-Omaha to a conference title and taking the Mavericks to the national playoffs for the first time in a decade. Even uh, if it had to slow down a bit after the dominating 1990s, Cambridge sports in the new century was still bringing home the trophies. Football went 13-0 again in 2003 to win C2 with a 22-14 triumph over Crofton. Made the 2005 C2 final before losing to Plainview and rolled to the semifinals in 2007 before falling to Blue Hill. Tristan Foster, Anthony Hopkins, and Gus Peterson were two-time All-Staters. Quarterback Wade Vance led the Trojans to that 2003 title and then won All-State honors three times, including an All-Class All-Nebraska spot as a senior. Vance was also a three-time basketball All-Stater, uh, powered the Trojans to their first basketball state title as a sophomore in 2004 when they beat Sutton, Ravenna, and Louisville for the C2 crown. He averaged over 26 points a game as a senior when Cambridge played in the D1 state semis. For one final feather in his cap, Vance won the 2005 Class C2 Individual State Golf Championship. He led the Trojans to the team title the year before. In 2005, Cambridge won the state track meet with Kyle Custer sweeping the Class D 800, 1600, and 3200-meter titles and anchoring the winning two-mile relay team. He was a seven-time state track medal winner. He was also the 2004 Class D cross-country champion the fall before. The girls' basketball Trojans made state five times in the first decade of the 2000s, playing in the semifinals in 03, 06, 08, and 09. Christina Hotelling, Shelby Schultz, and Tracy Kieser were all two-time All-Staters. Schultz was a two-time All-State volleyballer as well. Kieser made volleyball All-State three times. Both played on the 2007 State C2 runners-up, and Kieser led the Trojans back to the finals in her senior year, 2008. Hotelling averaged 24 points a game in basketball as a senior and made the all-class All-Nebraska list twice. Not bad in what may have been her third best sport. She was a three-time all-class gold medalist on the track, winning both the high jump and triple jump golds as a senior, and the 6-2 outside hitter was twice All-State in volleyball. She went on to star in volleyball at Nebraska, winning all-conference, all-American, and national player of the year honors. Casey Nickerson medaled in the state pole vault four times, capping off her career with a Class D championship in 2012, excuse me, 2005. Bailey Susie won five track medals in the weight events, including the Class D Discus State title in 07 
and was All-State Volleyball on that 2008 state runner-up team. The last decade has been comparatively quiet in Cambridge. They've only added one state championship to the trophy case, the 2012 Class D boys track title. Caden Huxel swept the 100, 200, and 400 for the champion Trojans. Mike Schaff repeated his 2011 effort by winning both uh, the shot put and the distance, but in 2012, he added the all-class gold in the shot. Schaff was also a two-time state wrestling champion at 285 pounds and an all-state football lineman. In football, Cambridge made a quarterfinal run in 2010 before being edged by North Platte St. Pat's 26-25. Last fall, they were back in the quarterfinals, this time an eight-man, a move the community had resisted for several years despite being under the enrollment cutoff. Oh, and Cambridge picked up another individual golf champ when Preston Carbaugh won Class C in 2019. For the girls, Aaliyah Shainer was All-State um, in 2016 and 2017, as she led the Trojans back to state basketball both years. She also won seven track medals, including the 2007 triple jump state title. Uh, Corin Klassen was a two-time All-Stater in basketball and earned volleyball honors when she led Cambridge to state in 2018. Uh, she was the state runner-up in the triple jump in 2018 and 19. And after that parade of excellence, we have to choose a greatest athlete I suppose it can be done now that we've sketched out the scope of the great greatness that will be left behind. Uh, on the girls' side, it's obviously between the Cubic Sisters and Christina Hotelling. I, I think I lean, lean toward Hotelling with that Player of the Year award, uh, providing the tiniest of gaps. Christina Hotelling is our Cambridge Trojan greatest girl athlete. For the boys, it's between Ed Thompson and Wade Vance. <sighs> with his UNO career tipping the scales towards Thompson, I'm going to choose Ed Thompson as Cambridge High's greatest male athlete. Well, that's, that's quite a county, uh, Furnace County, uh, offering us some amazing athletes and some amazing stories. But for now, that's it till next time. Uh, until you tune in again, you can follow us on Twitter, where our handle is at SuitUpVarsity. Or check out our newly spruced up webpage at suitingupvarsity.org. There we have links to the Twitter nominations for greatest athletes at each Nebraska school, a link to our curated list of Nebraska high school sports history films on YouTube, a list of school songs, and links to all our episodes. We hope to hear from you soon. Also, if you like this podcast, take time to rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you find our podcast. It helps other find others find our show or better yet share one of our episodes on twitter or on facebook or you know on your hundred thousand follower instagram account help other nebraska sports fans find our podcast this has been suiting up varsity episode 34 written and produced by me greg mays technical and research assistance by my brothers tate Mays and friend mays helpful audio advice and encouragement for shukai and as always dedicated to jerry mathers the godfather of Nebraska high school sports history and the inspiration for this podcast. Suiting Up Varsity is the anchor show of the Nebraska Varsity Network. Copyright 2020. <laughs>